0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the One Woman Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Grace, and this is the podcast where we talk about all things book related and anything author related, any current events or updates going on in my life or the book world, and of course, discuss a quarter of our monthly book club pick, which this month is Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune. I am so excited to be back recording today for you guys. I have a lot to say about Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune already. I have tons of notes typed out and I asked you guys a lot of kind of like fun, different questions about like maybe like your life or anything like that. It wasn't just like, okay, what do you think is going on in the book? I kind of related some of my questions today to things that are going on in your life to get to know you all a little better. And I'm really excited to share some of those answers and discuss what my answers would have been to those questions too. Um, So I'm probably going to try to keep our little intro short. Speaking of... This is the first day that I'm recording where my air conditioner is going in the other room. And we're not willing to turn it off because we live on a third floor apartment and it gets really, really stuffy and really hot up here. So definitely not willing to shut it off unless things are really, really bad when I go to edit this. Um, I probably won't re-record the whole episode for just like a little bit of a background noise. I hope that's okay with you all. Um, but just putting it out there and we'll kind of, we'll figure out a good method um, as I continue to record throughout the summer. But this is just a test episode to see how that goes. So I hope you all had a wonderful week and had enough time to pick up Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune. Um, Like I've mentioned, that came out on May 2nd, so last Tuesday, and I went and got my copy right at a local bookstore, Sherman's, um, in Portland, Maine, and they have a lot of different locations all across Maine. So I was really excited to get my hands on a copy. I know that so many of you have been posting that you're reading it. Um, on your own stories on bookstagram. So thank you so much for tagging me and all of the stories. I love to see them. I love to hear all about your reading journey with the book club. And I think so many of you are so excited about it. And I am too. But spoiler spoiler alert, I'm not sure I'm like fully invested in the story yet. Um, but we'll get to that in a little while. So I do want to talk a little bit about my, the books that I'm currently reading and the book that I have finished so far this month, and then about my experience at The Hub today last week. Those, are the, And then we also have to talk about the book of the month choices that came out for this month. So those are the three topics that I want to discuss right now. The first being the book, only book that I've finished so far this month, which is The House in the Pines by Anna Reyes. And I picked up this book because I remember talking about it um, months ago when Reese's book club picked it up as one of their choices. I don't remember what month that was, I think maybe January or February. And I hadn't heard much about it. And then I read the synopsis. And I was like, Oh, wait, this sounds really, really good. I think I would really enjoy it. And I was also getting ready to pick books that I was going to talk about on The Hub today. And I didn't really have a lot of thrillers that I'd been interested in reading. And I like to try to include a book from as many genres as I can. And so I was like, you know, what? I'm going to pick up House in the Pines. I think that's going to be a great choice for The Hub today. And, and I really, really enjoyed it. And I, I trusted the synopsis of this book so much that as I was reading, I didn't even look at the Goodreads reviews or the score of this book. And then when I went to say that I finished it and to like give my own little review, it I realized like how scathing some of the reviews are of this book. The average Goodreads rating is 3.19 out of 50,000 reviews. And that's pretty low. And I'm honestly really surprised. So a few things. I obviously don't want to give away the main twist in this book because it's so moody and atmospheric and I never knew where the twist was actually going to go. Um, And then it happened. and I really enjoyed it. Like I really liked the twist. But I think the twist was like the main thing that people had a big problem with. And let's just say that a lot of the reviews of this book had similar vibes to the reviews of The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager, not saying that the twist is the same because it's not, that's not, it's not the same twist. It's not, I can't even say The Twist in The House Across the Lake. Anyway, they're not similar, but it's not like your typical twist is all I'm going to say. So I think some people didn't like where it went similar to how if you've read House Across the Lake, a lot of people didn't like where that twist went. Um, I found it from literally the prologue. I was like, "Oh wait, this writing is really, really good." The writing was incredible, and it just had this really moody and atmospheric. I know I've said that a couple of times. Vibe to it that I can't even describe. Like it was so good. I was really enthralled with it, like from that prologue, um, and I loved it all the way through. It's a really quick read. Um, And Really, really unique for a thriller. So I really love that. That's the only book that I finished, but I'm hoping to start a couple more this week and hopefully finish them. Um, Spoiler, one of the book of the month that I chose this month is The Last Word by Taylor Adams. And No Exit by Taylor Adams was one of my all-time favorite books, I believe in 2021, in one of my favorite thrillers of all time. If you haven't read No Exit, it's a total must, maybe not for the summer, but definitely for the winter, how Taylor Adams like creates this whole world within this little um, rest area on the side of the road. And it's so creepy. There, it's a bunch of people that are stuck in this rest area in the middle of a complete blizzard and they can't leave because it's like whiteout conditions on the road um and a lot of crazy stuff ends up happening and it was so good and i know that everyone pretty much loved this book who read it. I recommended it to a lot of friends who really enjoyed it. And then, you know, so many of my bookstagram friends as well just like loved it. And I actually it was turned into a Netflix or Hulu. I'm not really sure I I forget which streaming service movie after the fact and people really liked that too. I haven't seen it like I said, but anyway, Taylor Adams, that's the only book I've ever read of his. I'm not sure if he has others. I'm, I'm pretty sure he does. But when I heard that The Last Word was coming out, As a book of the month option. I was like, okay, this is going to be perfect. And I cannot wait to read it. So I'm actually in the mood for a thriller house in the pines. I read, um, I guess most recently, but I feel like I've been in like a romance kick because I read happy place, which I loved. And now I'm in the middle of meet me at the lake. So I think I need another thriller to like, keep me keep me going. But let me read a little bit about um, the last word because the synopsis sounds so so cool. Um, let me pull that up on Goodreads really fast. So, right now it has a 4.01 out of 2100 ratings, which is pretty good for a new thriller. And it says, okay, this is just, it's such a cool premise, you guys. After posting a negative book review, a woman living in a remote location begins to wonder if the author is a little touchy or very, very dangerous in this pulse pounding novel of psychological suspense and terror from the critically acclaimed author of No Exit and Hairpin Bridge. That's right, Hairpin Bridge. I hairpin bridge sorry I have heard about that one Emma Carpenter lives in isolation with her golden retriever Leika, house sitting an old beachfront home on the rainy Washington coast her only human contact is her enigmatic old neighbor Deke and via text the house's owner Jules. one day she writes she reads a poorly written but gruesome horror novel by the author H.G. Kane and posts a one-star review that drags her into an online argument with none other than the author himself Soon after, disturbing incidents start to occur at night. To Emma, this can't just be a coincidence. It was strange enough for this author to bicker with her online about a lousy review, but could he be stalking her too? That's all I'm going to say. Don't even want to read more myself. But how cool is that as someone in the book community, as all of us in the book community, writing book reviews all the time, I was like immediately drawn to that review or that synopsis. I'm like, okay, this is going to be a good one. The other book I will most likely be starting this week is Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club. I mostly picked this book up. I picked it up on Independent Bookstore Day last weekend because the cover is just absolutely stunning. But the the synopsis does sound really good, too. I am struggling to pick up any book right now because I want to continue reading, meet me at the lake and like see where it's going. But like I always say, I do try to stick to the schedule at least until I have time and I can find the time to record the podcast. because I don't like to read too, too far ahead. So as I read, I'm not in the mood for a thriller one afternoon, if I instead want to read a different type of genre, I would pick up Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club. This is by J. Ryan Stradell, who wrote a few books um, that I recognize the titles of, Kitchens of the Great Midwest. And then there's one other one, um, The Lager Queen of Minnesota. I remember hearing about too, So, because all the covers of his books are so, so gorgeous. But this one sounds really cute. So the synopsis is a story of a couple from two very different restaurant families in rustic Minnesota and the legacy of love and tragedy of hardship and hope that unites and divides them. Marielle Prager needs a break. Her husband, Ned is having an identity crisis. Her spunky beloved, restaurant is bleeding money by the day, and her mother Florence is stubbornly refusing to leave the church where she's been holed up for more than a week. The Lakeside Supper Club has been in her family for decades, and while Marielle's grandmother embraced the business, seeing it as a saving grace, Florence never took to it. When Marielle inherited the restaurant, skipping Florence, it had created a rift between mother and daughter that never quite healed. Ned is also an heir to a chain of homestyle diners, and while he doesn't have a head for business, he knows his family's chain could provide a better future than his wife's fading restaurant. In the aftermath of a devastating tragedy, Ned and Marielle lose almost everything they hold dear, and the hard-won victories of each family hang in the balance. Again, that's all I'm going to read to avoid spoilers, but it just sounds really good and like a better version of The Chicken Sisters. If you guys have been following me at Grace's Reading Nook on Instagram from the beginning, like the creation of my bookstagram, uh, this is, I think the first, The Chicken Sisters was the first book that I ever reviewed. Yes. Because I remember being like, oh my God, I can't believe the first book I'm going to review is one that I didn't like. I really, really hated The Chicken Sisters by KJ Del Antonio. So sorry if you loved it. But it was also about like dueling restaurants, though the Chicken Sisters was in the south. I'm really, really excited to read Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club, even though that's a tongue twister of a name. It's a beautiful cover. So look it up if you haven't seen it. So a lot of exciting things happened in my book world last week, too. So I got to go to the hub today, again, um, in Boston, it was so much fun. Um, if you missed it, I have been going to the hub today since last summer to share book reviews or books that I think you should read season per season. My first TV spot with them was summer reads for last summer. And then I went back for fall and winter reads. Then this past February, I went for a Valentine's Day segment. And then this time I went for spring reads. So I'm very, very excited. It's always so much fun to go there. Everyone there is so nice. I I cannot say enough good things about everyone there. And I just feel so incredibly, incredibly lucky that I get to do something like this. Um, I think I talked about it quite a bit in the first episode um, after I went the last time in February. But as a journalism major in college, getting to do something like this, as I'm not pursuing journalism in my full time life now, it has just been so much fun. And then getting to talk about books is just amazing. So um, the segment is yet to be posted. So it was a live broadcast. But Eventually, they do post everything onto their website. And once I get my hands on a copy of the segment, I will be posting it on my Instagram at Grace's Reading Nook. So just go ahead and follow me there. And I will definitely be posting. So I know a few of you want to check it out. But I did just post a few pictures of myself um, at the studio. Noah, my boyfriend usually comes with me. But Since we had just taken the whole vacation to Punta Cana, he couldn't get the time off work, which is totally understandable. I felt bad about taking a day off, honestly. So this time I had my mom come with me and it was so cool and fun to have her in the studio because she's always so excited to see the segment. So getting to have her like see everything live was just really, really cool also. So the f- so this time I was going back for spring reads. So I picked five books. Um, the first book that I chose was All the Dangerous Things by Stacey Willingham. That was my thriller pick. Then, of course, no surprises. I picked Happy Place by Emily Henry. Then I chose Wayward by Amelia Hart. Yours truly by Abby Jimenez and Edvika and the Hollywood Wives by Kurthana Ramisetti. I feel like that was a good mix of a lot of different genres. The covers are just gorgeous for spring. And I feel like all of these books in general are just like a breath of fresh air. So I loved to highlight all five of those. And we did pre-tape another segment, which I guess is a bit of a spoiler alert because I said I included House in the Pines. Um just because I, we pre tape some of the segments just because it's sometimes hard for me to get the time off to go down to Boston, which is makes sense. Um, so House in the Pines will be in an upcoming segment um, that'll air later in the year. So it is just so much fun. Like I said, be sure to keep an eye out on my Instagram for when that segment does go live. Um, I will, of course, be posting it. And then, very briefly, before we get into this discussion of Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune, I have a lot to talk about, like I said. I do want to briefly discuss the Book of the Month options for this month. If you are not subscribed to Book of the Month now and always is a great month to do so, if you head to the link in my bio at Grace's Reading Nook on Instagram, Um, You can click the link tree, and one of the first links on there will take you to a page for Book of the Month to get your first book for $5. After that, it is, I believe, $16.99 a month, and you'll get a hardcover book. A lot of the times it hasn't been released to the public yet, and then you can also choose two add-ons for $10.99 a piece to add to your box. This is not sponsored. I would love for it to be sponsored one day, but I just like to share the love for Book of the Month because it's one of my favorite subscription services, or It's really the only subscription box that I have coming to my house on a monthly basis. But of course, it's books. Of course, I would choose a book one, but it is so much fun. So for May, like I already said, I picked up The Last Word by Taylor Adams, and I will definitely be reading that this week for sure. Then I also picked up a book called The Collected Regrets of Clover by Mika Brammer. It just sound sounded so good. And again, the cover is just gorgeous. So the quick take here is this one's for the emo kids who are not so secretly softies with hearts of gold. Sometimes death is just a part of life. Um... Basically, it's about a, I believe, a hospice nurse. Um, And it says, from the day she watched her kindergarten teacher drop dead during a dramatic storytelling of Peter Rabbit... Clover Brooks has felt a stronger connection with the dying than she has with the living. After the beloved grandfather who raised her dies alone while she is traveling, Clover becomes a death doula. That's what it is. In New York City, dedicating her life to ushering people peacefully through the end of life process. I know this one is going to annihilate me emotionally, but I haven't read a book that's made me cry in a really long time. Now that I think about it, a lot of people cried quite a bit while they were reading Happy Place, but I didn't. And I'm now quickly looking through my Goodreads. What's the... Oh, I, I cried during Wayward. <laughs> okay. But not like an all out like hysterical sob. Oh, I cried quite a bit during Betty by Tiffany McDaniel. Yep, yeah, that one really got me. But still, before that, I cried a little bit during Sam by Allegra Goodman. And then the last time I really sobbed was probably... Pack Up the Moon by Kristen Higgins. I cry a lot during books, but like a book that will make me like feel like I got punched in the face. I think the last one, The Many Daughters of a Fong Moy, I cried a bit during two, but Pack Up the Moon by Kristen Higgins for sure, like annihilated me. Um, other selections for May from Book of the Month, going back to that, we had Yours Truly by Abby Jimenez, which I already briefly talked about for my Hub Today segment. The Half Moon by Mary Beth Keen, who is the author of Ask Again, Yes. The cover for The Half Moon is absolutely gorgeous, but I could not get into Ask Again, Yes. And I know so many people love that book, so I might give it another shot at some point. Then they have Did You Hear About Kitty Carr by Crystal Smith-Paul, Paper Names by Susie Lowe. And then they also had some add-ons. The Secret Book of Flora Lee, a novel by Patty Callahan Henry. Warrior Girl Unearthed by Angeline Booley. I cannot pronounce this book. Clytemnstra by Costanza Cassati. I am butchering all of these. And one that I almost picked up, um, The True Love Experiment by Christina Lauren. But I had read and I have been reading a lot of romance, so I passed on it for now. But it was a great month, especially I'm especially excited for my two books that I just chose. And if you didn't know, as long as you pick one of the book of the month options of the, you know, five or six main books that they have for the month, you can then choose any book that they've ever had at all on their whole existence from um, as your add ons, which is really cool. And this is their 100th month of doing book of the month. So happy anniversary to them. And I think that's all I want to talk about. I cannot believe I've been talking for 21 minutes. It feels like I just started recording. Um, but I'm very excited to get into Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune. So if you have not read up to chapter seven, so you've read through chapter six, but you stopped at chapter seven, if you are not up to this point, you should probably stop listening because there are definitely going to be some spoilers coming up or if you don't care and you're just here to listen no problem but just know some things might get spoiled for you
1: hey there this is justin bartha i made a funny new podcast king of the egg cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like lewis black i'm torn by my feelings for two women bobby cannavale you can eat it
0: That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind.
1: This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's king of the egg cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right, so I'm so excited to start digging into this. So let's start right off the bat with chapter one. So first of all, I do not know how to say the name of this town. If anyone has any idea if you live in Canada, or if this is even a real place, I'm guessing it is I have not done that research, which I probably should have as I'm recording a podcast, but I did not. It is spelled M-U-S-K-O-K-A. I'm guessing it's Muskoka. So I'm going to be saying Muskoka. But if I am butchering that, please, please let me know because I don't want to butcher that for the remainder of while we're talking about this book on the podcast. But um, we're thrust pretty much right into the world of Muskoka from page one with Fern running her mother's lakeside resort, the Brookbanks resort after her mother's tragic death. We find out that her car hit a deer, which in turn killed her. And I'm personally just getting the vibe that Fern has not had a lot of time to process her mother's death, as she seems pretty mad at her for dying and having to run the resort on her behalf. Fern as a character so far seems pretty socially awkward, or at least introverted, Um, really doesn't want to interact with the guest, which honest is truly understandable. Um, She didn't really want all the sympathy as many of the guests knew her mother. So I'm sure that's a very hard um, topic for her. The manager of the resort is actually her ex-boyfriend, Jamie. And although Fern's treating him more like a brother in description and in conversation, to me, there is a bit of a flirty banter from Jamie's side, talking about where they've had sex in the past, except that he described it as desecrated, like spots that we've desecrated on the resort. I think that's what he said. And that kind of gross, was kind of weird, kind of grossed me out, but whatever. Um We know that he isn't going to be our main love interest or our main character. But I had a question, is there going to be some sort of a love triangle involved here? Um, Because it kind of seems, like I said, like a little flirty, but who knows. So far, the Lake Resort sounds beautiful, especially the dining room. Um, It's kind of giving me like dirty dancing vibes. Or I grew up in Kennebunk and I worked as a breakfast server at the White Barn Inn. And I don't think it's as fancy as the White Barn Inn, but the dining room kind of gave me those vibes. Um, I'm personally, I said, I'm going to need a bit more character description to start casting these characters in my head, which is important to me with romance. But, you know, if I'm getting a dark haired mean man, which it seems like we are, you know, I'll be picturing Miles Teller. (laughs) Then we go into chapter two, which flashes back to June 14th, 10 years earlier. So it seems like we're going to have a multiple timeline sort of novel here, which is fun. Um, In this chapter, Whitney, Fern's best friend, is on the tail end of a trip visiting her in Toronto. We learn this is where Fern went to school, and she does not want to go back to her hometown of Muskoka and to the resort at all. Whitney still lives in Muskoka along with Jamie, and Jamie and Fern at this point are still dating. She said four years of long distance was tough. And then I had the question, how long were her and Jamie together? Even if it was just four years, I'm suspecting maybe longer. That's a long relationship to have and and then have to work with your ex amicably. And I I certainly could not do that. And this is the first instance, unfortunately, I don't know if I'm alone in this, but for some reason, Fern is rubbing me the wrong way. She seems a little bit snotty and pretentious, working at the coffee shop and wanting to like smoke weed and not understanding how Whitney doesn't see the beauty of Toronto, then making fun of Will's mural just upon meeting and kind of making fun of her hometown. I just didn't like the vibes that she was giving off. Let me know if I'm alone there, but... Um, basically, when she sends Whitney off on the bus to go back to Muskoka, she goes to her coffee shop to work, but her coworker says they're closed for a few days because they're having a mural painted. Enter Will, the artist. After this chapter, I said I was convinced. He will be Miles Teller in my mind, which will make me like him more than I probably should. But I can't think of a good actress for Fern yet. So this is the first question that I asked you guys. I said, any casting ideas for Will and Fern yet? So let me pull up what your answers potentially were here. Okay, this is the time that I realize I'm literally an absolute moron. (laughs) So sorry, I'm so mad at myself. So I asked a lot of open ended questions for today's episode. Like, for example, do you have any casting ideas for Will and Fern yet? And I asked them and then I got a ton of cool responses for a lot of these open ended questions. And I didn't screenshot the results. And I'm like, can is there any way that I can go back and look at what the results were? Or am I going crazy? So let me just try to figure this out. I don't know if I can. Um, But if I can't, I am so sorry. And I'll remember this for next time, believe me, but So yep, I'm an idiot, completely didn't know that the answers to the questions disappeared after 24 hours. I'm typically better at this and will screenshot the answers as I get them, just so I have them to look back upon for the podcast recording, but I didn't. So I'm the worst, I am so sorry, and thank you to everyone who submitted your answers to my questions, and I'm going to be way better about it next time, but I do remember some specific ones. Um... So again, I'm just the worst, but I do want to continue talking about this. But for me, I don't have any castings for Fern yet. I can't really think she has short blonde, like very icy blonde hair in a bob. So I'm not sure who to put as that actress. Then I did say Miles Teller for Will, but I'm almost thinking I'm not sure if he's giving me Miles Teller vibes. Cuz I'm not sure if I love Will's character yet either. Um but anyway, I don't think I had many responses to casting ideas for Will and Fern. So I think we're going to need some more time with these characters to figure that out. Also, chapter three, we're back to the current timeline. Fern immediately recognizes Will as the person checking in at the desk and she starts panicking. So again, I can imagine seeing an ex and freaking out, like obviously, but Fern and Will only spent 24 hours together. And to believe like all this hype and this panic and excitement, I really need to know so much more about those 24 hours. And reminder, she was still with Jamie the day she met Will. So did Will and Fern kiss or anything then? Um, I don't know if there's going to be like a cheating scandal or if it was more just like chemistry between them in general. We get the bombshell that Will had been in touch with Fern's mom to be a business consultant at the resort, which Fern had no idea about. Why would he do that? What attracted him to this place other than Fern? Then Fern has to break the news that her mom is dead to Will, and he had no idea. He was literally just going to the resort because that's what they had agreed upon. Jamie comes to ask if she's all right because she ran out of the resort. And when Fern says Jamie's name, his hands clench. And is that because they did something together that night and he feels uncomfortable around Jamie because they cheated? Or, and potentially the vibes I'm getting, did Jamie do something to Fern that would cause their breakup and Will is still mad that Jamie hurt Fern? That would explain Jamie's positive demeanor. At this point, <laughs> this is no one's going to agree with me here, but I'm totally all for Jamie and Fern to be together. He seems so sweet and I like their history and I like that he calls her Fernie. I think it's cute, but I'm sure that will change. Um, as another side note, the name Fern is just a bit grating on me. I felt the same way about Percy in Every Summer After. Fern is just reminding me of the character from Arthur. Anyone else? That's just me. Um, at the end of the chapter, we see Fern remembering that Will promised to meet her at the resort exactly one year after the day they met, but he never showed Also, Fern keeps mentioning some scandal that happened her senior year and that the whole town was gossiping about her. At this point, I had a question asked, what do you think the scandal is? And why was the town gossiping about her? Again, completely lost all the responses because I'm an idiot. But a lot of you guys referenced the fact that you think it might be a fire of some kind. Um, Someone mentioned a potential like suicide attempt, which would be awful. Um, So I'm just really curious. This scandal seems like something really big that um, she does not want to talk about and something that she wants to leave in her past, which could also make sense that she does not want to be back in Muskoka at this resort um, because of all these terrible things that happened to her her senior year. Totally get that. Chapter four, we're again flashing back to June 14th, 10 years earlier. We get a bit more info here about our main characters. So Fern and Jamie have been dating for four years since Fern was 18, and he is a few years older. Fern has a great relationship with her mom's friend Peter and I love the fact that they make playlists for each other. It's just so cute. We learn that Will also has a girlfriend at this time named Fred. Okay, guys. <laughs> what is going on with these women's names? Fred, Fern, and then Percy in the first book. I don't I don't know. I don't get it. Anyway. Um, so they both have significant others, even though they're both clearly into each other with the flirty banter, and the cute, you know, fern fronds and the milk foam and on the mural. They both seem like very moody teenagers, kind of very snobby with their music and their coffee tastes. But I'm hoping that's kind of all a front and they're going to break down those walls of each other. I'm also very curious how Will went from painter to some sort of business consultant in a suit. And why did he do all of this now? Then I asked a great question that I would have loved to chat about. What was your dream job as a teenager and what do you do now? Had some great responses, would have loved to share them. But again, theme of this freaking podcast, I'm an idiot. So my dream job as a teenager, I have never been like super career oriented, which I know is crazy, like probably in high school, there were a few things like I probably wanted to be a full time YouTuber because I was like really into my YouTube channel at that point. Then for a long, long time in high school, I wanted to be a journalist either writing on like fashion or beauty blogs because I loved makeup and hair and fashion and I still do. Um, Or it eventually turned into like wanting to be a reporter or a newscaster anchor or something like that. So that kind of transitioned into college too. But pretty much like the biggest thing I wanted to be all throughout my childhood teenage years and even a little bit in college was a elementary school teacher. So none of that clearly happened. Um, I work as a content manager for a communications company right now in their finance division for their finance website. So there's a little, there are little bits and pieces of all of those things um, meshed in there. Before this, I was a content specialist for a training department. So that had more of like the teacher element involved. So there's lots of things, but that's, that's me. Moving on to chapter five, this is, we're back in the present day, and this chapter kind of pissed me off because there are tons and tons and tons of open-ended questions and vague phrases and sentences going on in this chapter. I literally don't even know where to begin. Do I like it? I am not sure. Fern is still a snob about her coffee, and I know I need to get over it, but I can't. Then she mentioned the fact that she wants to open up a coffee shop of her own called Ferns, which is very cute, but that she's thinking of selling the resort that's been in her family for 50 years to do it. I personally just can't see my mind immediately going there when my mom just died. That's, that's just me personally, but it seems a little bit like shocking after just a few weeks. Fern talks to Whitney about Will coming back, and she says she didn't tell her about him back in the day because she was friends with Jamie. Whitney has a baby now, and we learn that Fern's boss at the coffee shop she currently works at in Toronto cheated on her. Then we flash forward a bit. The next morning, Peter, her mom's friend with the playlist, remember, comes to visit Fern and says that he and her mom were sometimes best friends what does that even mean? And then what is in the boxes he brought? Could it possibly be her mom's like diary entries or books? I don't know. Fern also mentions something about starting a fire. Is that a metaphor? Or is that the gossip and drama that everyone in town was talking about? So just lots going on here, lots being brought up that I know we're going to get answered, but it seems like a lot all at once. Then she decides that she has to talk to Will and figure out what's going on with this business deal. Basically, Will says that he went to the resort last summer for a friend's wedding, and because he owns a business that helps small businesses rebrand, that he could help. In exchange, her mom offered him a four-week stay, and he did it because he liked it there. I definitely think that he also wanted to see Fern, but that's not confirmed. Then she asks why he never showed up nine years ago, and he says that she wouldn't have liked who he was back then. What happened in the year between when they met and when they were supposed to meet up? Also, they have some cute chemistry so far in the flashback chapters, but nothing remarkable. It better start getting intense for Fern to have tears in her eyes over the thought of Will nine years later. I personally can't even remember single dates I went on 10 years ago That was when I was 18, and none of them would make me tear up thinking about them unless it was out of sheer embarrassment. Honestly. Chapter 6, we go back in time to June 14th, 10 years ago. We get a bit more insight into Will and Fern's day together. Will's parents are divorced, and his mom lives in Rome. And I loved when Fern was talking about Jamie and how they started dating, thought it was an absolute sweetheart kind of asking all these get to know you questions on the dock there. But it doesn't seem like Fern truly loves him. And no matter how sweet someone is and how much they love you, unfortunately, that sometimes doesn't equate to you loving them in return. So I'm thinking it's going to be some sort of like it went stale and she breaks up with him because of that. Fern still hasn't told Will about having Jamie as her boyfriend, though Will was straight up with her about Fred. Their chemistry is definitely building, and I think because they feel like they'll never see each other again, they're about to spill some secrets, like Will said. It's clear even at 22, Fern does not want to go back and run her mom's resort, and it must be really hard now that she's forced to. And that was it so far. I made this chunk a little bit shorter, just because I know the book just came out the week that we were supposed to read up to a certain point. So just 60 pages, which I hope everyone was okay with. It seemed like you were. So thoughts so far before I get into the other questions that I asked you guys on Instagram. I'm not 100% invested and I hate that. This is the first time I've like read a book so far for the podcast and I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. Um, I'm hoping it's just a bit of a slow start for me. Fern so far is kind of a hard main character to love because to me, she's a bit snobby and pessimistic in both time periods, though that's obviously clearly understandable now because of her mother's death. And unfortunately, I think I'm solo here, but I'm riding the Jamie and Fern train and want to know how they broke up, why, if Jamie still loves Fern, if Fern up, end up cheating on Will, or if Fern ends up cheating with Will, etc., Does Will get mad when he finds out Fern has a girlfriend and didn't tell him? And is that partly why he didn't show up a year later? I think we're being led to the fact that Fern will end up keeping the resort, maybe with a coffee shop on the property, but who's to say? And what's up with the potential fire Fern started? And if not that, what did she do when she was 17 that was so bad that it almost ruined her friendship with Whitney and strained her relationship with her mom? There are a lot of questions I have and need answered. And if I haven't said it enough, I need more chemistry between young Fern and Will. But then that almost sucks because Fern is dating Jamie, who I love. So will we get any chemistry? And if we don't, how are they still so into each other nine years later? I really wish Fern was single in the earlier parts. Um, If any of you have seen the Before Sunrise trilogy, the movies, or at least the first one, I need that sort of chemistry because that was like off the charts and I understood why that movie went the way it did. But also young Ethan Hawke is like the best ever, like what dreams are made of. (laughs) So all in all, I'm clearly intrigued with all of these questions and need to read more. But is it going to let me down after reading my favorite romance of all time, Happy Place? We're going to have to wait and see. And I'm definitely scared, you guys. So let me go to the questions that I asked you all that I can see because I'm an idiot again and did not screenshot the questions that you guys answered. So first of all, I asked if you guys were reading along this month, 73% said yes, 27% said no. Then if you are reading, what part are you up to? Um, 11% said started, but not yet up to chapter seven. 19% of you said I'm reading ahead. 30% of you hadn't started yet. And 41% of you said you were caught up to chapter seven for Monday's episode, which makes me so happy because I think that's the first time I've asked that question where the majority of you were caught up and had not read ahead, which obviously do what you want. I'm not making you stop reading if you don't want to. I stop reading because I have to talk about specific things on the podcast and I don't want to give things away. But it's really cool that some of you guys stopped reading and you're right up to where we all are for today. Then I asked, did you ever go to a lakeside resort similar to this growing up? 75% said no and 25% said yes. Yes. With you guys, never really went to a lakeside resort, but I did go to summer camp, which I loved, but not giving me summer camp vibes. Um, Then, do you like, char- do you like Fern as a character so far? 27% said no, and 73% said yes. So I know I'm in the minority. I know I'm pretty much solo. I've got to like, as I go into the next chunk here, like chapter seven to chapter 13, I need to have a better and more open mind about Fern. And I know that, and I'm going to do that. Lastly, I said, who do you like more so far, Jamie or Will? (laughs) Because I know I'm solo on this too. 31% said Jamie and 69% said Will. I understand. Okay, I need to definitely like give more um, thought and just like open my mind a bit to Fern and Will together. Get Jamie out of there. I think I just need more info on like how they got together and what that day was like. But that's where we're at so far. So thank you guys so much for listening and for reading along with me and Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune for next week's episode, which will be up Monday, May 15th. Please read up to chapter 13. So that's through chapter 12 and stop at chapter 13. I will be posting some poll questions this week, a little later in the week, probably Thursday or Friday. And I will screenshot the answers that I get to the questions. So please don't be deterred and please still answer them because I had some great ones this week. And I'm so sorry if you did answer and we're excited to see or hear your answer in today's episode. But thank you for understanding technology sometimes gets the best of me. That is all for today. Again, thank you for listening. Be sure to follow me at Grace's Reading Nook on Instagram to stay up to date on all other things book related. And I will talk to you all in the next episode. Bye, guys.
1: Attention, fans of fairy tales that are magical, hilarious, and grim. The award-winning Pinna Original Podcast, Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, has new episodes out now. While you've probably heard of the brothers Grimm, you've never heard these tales told in quite this way. I'm Adam Gidwitz, best-selling and Newbery Honor author of Books for Children. And in Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, I share the real Weird, grim fairy tales with real, weird, hilarious kids. In each episode, you not only get to hear a story, but you also get to enjoy this group guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and sharing their own perspectives on the tales. Also, heckling me. They love to heckle me. The episodes are rated on a scale from grim to grimmer to grimmest, so there's always a great variety of tales to explore with your family. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now, wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes.